we left off in the back of Windward's shop. Hess passed out of sleep in the nearest cot that didn't already have someone in it. Because Hess is a tired wizard. Hess is not having a great time, I wouldn't imagine, with everything that's going on. Now get some rest, honey. You had a big day. <laughs> and at some point during the night, Millie did have to leave to go take care of things in her theater, make sure her people are okay, because someone was murdered there. That's That could be traumatic for most normal humans. We fast forward, pun intended, to the next morning. Who wakes up first? Is it Hester Windward? I don't think Windward sleeps. <laughs> that is an excellent Sorry, we, point. Bree and I were like having this conversation in DMs. It's like, does Wind sleep? Question mark? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't. Only when I have company. And then it's even just. It's one of those he doesn't need to, but sometimes you just want to, you know? Sure, sure. This is not a night that that Windward wanted to. I think the the night, you know, there might have been some conversation with uh, Millie, a sort of a debrief, and then uh, Windward (laughs) kind of went around and checked the locks on the doors and did a little bit of sweeping, made sure everything was arranged. At some point during the night, I think there's like, there's a scratching that comes through and she lets in Laron and Kaiju from their sort of evening out. They look like they had a blast. Oh, absolutely. Always a good time. And then, yeah, just puts the shop in order, puts around, does all of the necessary things. And then, like, looks at the clock and gives a very deep sigh. And then goes back behind the counter and leans down and pulls out... I think it's like a, it's a puzzle box. Pulls out this this fairly large puzzle box and runs through a, a bunch of different things, moves a moves a peg in a particular pattern, has to actually go back into the stacks to find a stone that's the right shape to fit into a hole. And once they've got all of these locks undone, the box pops open, and inside there's a stack of papers. The front one, the top one, is, is written in Latin. <sighs> kind of in the upper right-hand corner is a big papal seal. And I think if you translated the Latin... It would be something to the effect of final treatise on the location of souls. And yeah, they they pull that stack of paper out and take another look sort of out the front to make sure that, that nobody else is, is looking in, and then starts sorting through this stack of... I mean, some of them are papers. There's a few stone tablets. I think there's a scroll or two, a big stack of notes that have been done on a dot matrix printer and like some typewritten stuff. Just all sorts of different notes from all sorts of different eras that they've been collecting and sitting on for quite some time. And just looking at it and uh, tense, tense and a little sad is the vibe that Windward has. And that's still the vibe that Windward has when... When Hess wakes up. Mm-hmm. Does Kaiju sleep with Hess? At this point, she's had kaiju for a couple months now, so they're they're kind of well acquainted to each other. So I think once kaiju, he sees that she's kind of like having not the greatest sleep and isn't in the best mental state, just kind of does that little cat slash dog thing where they burrow in between the arms and kind of becomes a stuffy 
And she wakes up very confused as to why there's fluff under her chin. Well, good morning. Probably gets like a lick on the face, like, oh, okay, come, no, no need to, please, that's my nostril. That's my nostril. <laughs> <laughs> my dog does the same thing, except he goes for your ears. Oh, our dog Frenches. <laughs> Dogs are so weird. Especially when they're actually fox dragons. Yep, yeah, right in the nostril, just right up in there. Thanks for the clean out, buddy. <laughs> he just gives little fake sneeze. <laughs> it's kind of good. cute. Also a little bit gross. You're lucky you're cute. And that an interdimensional war is not something I want to deal with today. Scritch, 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 scritch. Dick gives a little happy wiggle. Rolls over to show you the belly. The belly is absolutely a trap. Oh, she still does it even though it's a trap. Kaiju just starts nomming on your hand. Not biting down, just nomming. Okay, uh, uh, nope. Okay, nope. We've talked about this. If I rub the belly, we're not... What? You know what? Go find the Ron. I'm sure he has breakfast for you. <laughs> Scampered off happily. Excited for breakfast that is not Pop-Tarts. Has cooked scones and other breakfast pastries. True, that's fair. Maybe he's excited for Pop-Tarts. <laughs> yeah, I think that's more. <laughs> yeah, but no, she sits up, pulls out her phone, checks any messages from the group, and see if there's anything. Probably realizes she hasn't texted her mother in, like, a week, and quickly sends, Hi, Mom, I'm alive, sorry, I love you. They'll eventually get her reply back, good to know, sweetie. How's magic school? Uh, Mom doesn't know she dropped out, crap. So she's been lying this whole time. Um, she's like, oh, it's going great. Um, just started theoretical elemental summoning. Hopefully her mother buys the bullshit. The question is, does Hess's mom actually know what any of that means? Or is it just like, that sounds good, honey? I think it's that that sounds good. Because mom doesn't really practice much magic outside of kitchen craft. Fair, so. I'll reply along the lines of, I'm proud of you, sweetie. Thanks, mom. Uh, gotta go. Uh, have to catch the study group. Then put her phone back in her pocket. <laughs> oh man, just really twisting that knife, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. I, I, why do I do this to myself? I'm like, yeah, you do this entirely to yourself. I know. <laughs> I, there, mm, yeah. Hess works at the lab, right? You've got like a full-ass adult job. Yeah. Okay, alright. Mom doesn't need to know. I mean... I think what mom knows is that she works at the lab. She just doesn't know it's a full-time gig that she dropped out of school. <laughs> Sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do when redacted happens. You're almost... Beyonce gets sucked into a wormhole. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I don't think that any parent would be ashamed that their kids got health benefits. It's probably okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you're not wrong. <laughs> Hess does not take these things into account, however. She's gonna be less disappointed that you dropped out and more disappointed that you've been lying to her. Oh, poor girl. I imagine this is an actual conversation, like, when Mert happened to see the conversation. This is a conversation from, like, two months from now, when, when, this, co- when this story gets yeah. actually shared. <laughs> Presuming that everybody is still alive at that point, but, you know. We'll see. <laughs> We will see. Uh, let me check character sheet. One set of plot armor. We're yeah, good. Hey. We all have this. 
<laughs> See, we've decided that there's a conversation having in the future, which means we have to be there. It's so has to do anything special when she wakes up, or... I think she kind of replays yesterday over in her head. It clicks, because it didn't quite click fully yesterday. There was a fucker in my head. And I don't know who the fuck that was, and they messed with my magic. This is not good. And starts, like, thinking, like, okay, I can recreate this. I can redo it. And kind of, like, goes into the shop to, like, gather, like, candles, salt, and chalk so she can make a ritual circle. Thinking to herself, like, what she needs to do that. And then, like, as she's grabbing the candles, realizes, that is probably not the smartest idea to do a ritual like that and summon some unknown thing into my brain again if this goes wrong. Because, uh, yeah. We already have the... She kind of feels on her head in this time. It's, like, full-on ram's horns just curling around. And she's like, oh, goody. Horns again. It is a oddly recurring thing that happens is the horns. Yeah, and she doesn't realize it too, but her hair instead of blue is now this like, neon red. <laughs> and she just she's not even paying attention to that. It's not registering, even though some of it's in her eyes. <laughs> she's got a lot on her mind right now. Like, a lot. Yeah, so I think she just goes to like, a quiet bookish area of the shop, sits down, <laughs> puts her journal open, scribbles a note, puts, like, the little holder on it, and then starts to meditate to, like, try and replay through everything and process it and figure out, here's the list of things we need to talk about. Here's the things that are really bad. Where does this go in the priority of triage? I think, eventually, Windward had heard you kind of be up and moving around the shop, and they're gonna come back to that area of the shop. They've got, like, a couple of pastry bags and then two cups that are from the Baron of Bagels just down the way. Stopped over to see Octojohn and has gotten you. God, I'm trying to figure where Hess would be because I am torn between a London fog feels good, but that seems like more of an afternoon thing. I'm feeling like a dirty chai. Dirty chai, probably. Yeah, we're in fall, right? It's getting close to fall. Between summer and fall. Ah, I think in that case... Ah, so the pumpkin spice season is upon us. (laughs) Not yet. Yeah, no, uh, Octojohn doesn't actually use uh, pumpkin spice syrup. He's got his own kind of blend that he uses that's uh, a little bit more clove. It's like clove, cinnamon, anise. It's one that he makes himself. Sniffs about pumpkin spice because he's that kind of guy exhausting frankly <laughs> but so windward has like a has a dirty chai with a little bit of the fall spice syrup in it that will be for you i think we're bringing it in hot this morning yeah we're bringing it in hot because we're easing into today so windward comes and you're sitting in an area like there's a little reading nook set up with two kind of wing-back chairs in a corner, uh, a few low bookshelves. They're actually in front of bookshelves that go all the way up to the ceiling. And then, like, into some shadows. Like, you, you look up there and you're like, that's... that's past the ceiling. But then you don't worry about it. <laughs> Just don't question yeah. Winward's shop. There's sure. stranger things in the shop. <laughs> There's stranger things in this city. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, Stranger Things, like, there is a... So picture the, the lamp from Christmas Story, except what if it was a fawn's hoof, you know? So it looks like a goat leg. Still wearing fishnets, obviously, but that's the lamp that's sitting there, is this goat leg wearing fishnet. And that's the lamp on the little end table. French goat leg. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so we, we come back when Red says, ah, yes, um, you're up. I stepped out, made a few assumptions. Hopefully that this is a, this is a good drink for you. And sets the drink down. I think it takes her a couple minutes because she's like deep in her brain, like mind palacing everything that happens so it probably takes Winward like a few tries to get her you know back to the realm of reality so yeah if you want to look at her journal that's open and you know <laughs> yeah as Winward is setting down things I think she looks over and takes a glance at the journal so on the open pages there's like list there's a list of like there's a grocery list and then next to it there's an arrow pointing and it has both Millie and Winward written, and it's like pastries, question mark, cookies, question mark, ask Doc Vamp on bake site what is vegan, or not vegan, vampire friendly cookies. Then there's an arrow from Winward that says deconstructed cookie dough, question mark, question mark, tarts, question mark, pastry, question mark. And then there's another arrow from Millie that says blood bag and puff pastry, question mark. Because <laughs> she's trying to figure out what to bake them and doesn't know and then off to the very side of it there's like a little note that says mind magic messing with other people's magic question mark Winward sets down the breakfast sandwiches and grabs your pen and then like it sort of does a does one of those brackets off of the the different sorts of things and does an arrow and writes all sound lovely bake with love and then WP underneath there so I think about that point when she hears the pun, she peeks an eye open. Oh, Winward, sorry, I just um was trying to... Sorry, I should have... Um, I don't... Did you just wake up? I'm... Uh, hi. Good morning. Good morning. Did you uh, sleep well? Did you find... Were you... Are you well rested? You're cold, so surprisingly comfortable. <laughs> Thank you. We do our best to carry only the finest around here. I got some breakfast little bit of caffeine, get a little bit of get-up-and-go in the day. Happily takes some sips. Like, I think when she's putting it up to her mouth, she accidentally knocks on the horns. It's like, ah, damn it, I never get used to these. Because <laughs> they're always, like, slightly different shape each time, even when it looks like it's the same shape. Some are a little farther forward or a little farther back. It's just... It's either the earrings are getting caught on, they're the hair, or you're hitting them. It's just a whole mess. <laughs> Sometimes it's all three. And just in the morning, horns can be a little inconvenient. Kind of is what it is. When Rid actually like puts a hand down on the breakfast bagels, it's like, this one is vegan. This one is bacon, egg, and cheese. Do you have a preference? I try to eat at least one vegetarian or vegan meal to, during the day, so I'll take the vegan ah. one. Excellent, excellent. And then there's also, taps a box, a couple of, there's a couple of, I do believe today he had a matcha chocolate chip scones today. That sounds delightful. Yes. Always experimenting with flavors. Matcha's a hard one to get right, so I'm, I'm interested to see how it is. Yeah, I, I had a bite. 
and I will say that it is uh, it is it is more intriguing than it is pleasant. It's matcha, y- you know, you know, matcha. Um, I do. I've made several different matcha things. Um, she starts picking at the scone and popping it in her mouth, and it's not. I'm assuming this guy's like a good baker, or else he wouldn't have a business. So it's probably not uneditable, but. Matcha's not also her favorite. <laughs> he only makes the one scone flavor every day. It's surprisingly good. Not your favorite, but pleasant surprise. The sweetness from the chocolate kind of balances it out a little yeah. bit. But like it's it's like it's kind of it is a complex flavor. Eating it is again more interesting than it is pleasant. Yes, that is that is very true. Sips the dirty chai and looks at him. So do you have any questions about last night? I kind of dropped a bombshell on you all. Yeah, oh, I suppose you did, didn't you? Hmm, hmm. What would you say was the world that you visited in which you had the most fun? Oh, um, hang on. And she flips through her journal, and I have to go back in my notes here and remember which world it was. Because there are several that I've seen. Well, you said she's only gone to three consecutively. So, there's only like two or three she's been able to go to like consistently to where she can choose to go there others it's a little more hit or miss if she can actually get where she wants to go or if you know they're full of poison gas that was a fun one that too I kind of think of it as the once the more you go to a certain reality the easier it is to get there kind of like when um, when you walk the same path multiple times and even if it's in the grass you'll start to kind of wear down a trail it's like that yeah she looks at it honestly V059 is quite a delight to visit it's very different from here have you ever seen we've established a bunch of stuff exists have you seen Blade Runner oh yeah mm-hmm it's, it's very similar to that, but more... There you can still see the sky. This world... The sky's completely blocked off by buildings and everything. Flying cars, the whole stick, but they have the best ramen I have ever tasted. Do they still do the thing where they've, like, rationed maybe one or two lamps per household? A real staple of, of the Blade Runner series. You know, I don't really think I've ever been into their house. We just sort of hold book club at the ramen stand. Oh, fun. I love that. The books are from the uh, the universe that you're visiting, or from this... Uh, what was that number again? V095. Stands for variant, and then the consecutive number on whichever planet it is that I've visited in the term. And so you're making the assumption that this would be the one that we're on now. That's, that's zero, that's one for you? Uh, yes, this would be prime, so zero. Very bold, very bold assumption. Mm. No, but for her it is, because this is her prime reality. So that's what she's basing it off of. True. I did take that into consideration, but however, because I'm the one traveling and not one of my variations or variants, therefore it would be prime for us, because this is our base. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So a relative, relative prime. Interesting. Yeah, that's that's a good way of keeping personal notes at the very least. Yes, it's, um, I've discovered some books don't translate, some are universal, some aren't. It, I guess in some universes there's consistence, you know, certain bestsellers and authors are just consistent throughout different realities. <laughs> but I have read some good books from there. I can't, I don't think she can bring stuff back with her, can she? 
You might have occasionally been able to bring back like salt, like something really small. You brought back kaiju, so that's a good. Po- I've discovered if it's more than the mass of kaiju, I don't know why I'm pointing next to me because he's not here. It tends to not survive through the portal, but if it's smaller than kaiju's mass or equal to, as you're talking about kaiju, there's a small little screaming noise as he launches himself at you from out of nowhere. I'm sure this is a common occurrence, so she ducks with her mug and just lets him sail over. <laughs> it's his favorite thing. He's just the happiest little thing. He just, he lands and looks back and you big smile on his face, wiggle on his little tail. <sighs> Size breaks off half of the bagel sandwich and just holds it out. <laughs> he gladly accepts it, then looks a little bit disappointed when he realizes it's vegan, but he eats it. He just gives you a dirty look the whole time. You didn't ask. You just decided to eat it. Don't give me that look. I think Winward pops his sandwich open, pulls off the bacon, and throws that to Kaiju. Kaiju grabs it before it hits the floor, and then goes and snuggles up at Winward's feet. Well, not happily, happily munches on the bacon. <sighs> Good job. You've basically mastered interdimensional... Negotiations and politics. A plus, you're ready to be an ambassador. <laughs> well, give the people what they want. What else do you want to know about the traveling and my magic and what I've been doing? Actually, have a thought on that when we finish up all the QA. I. I think that we could. We could sit and have this chat forever. I also get the sense that maybe we don't have that long. Probably not, with the two soulless bodies and other things that happened. Yes, I didn't necessarily want to discuss business over breakfast, but that is sort of the pressing concern. But if you had further thoughts on that before we moved on to other things... I suppose if you want some of the best ramen ever, just let me know and we'll go. I'll introduce you to Ishii. She's pretty great. That sounds lovely. We should make that trip sometime. I feel like Kyle would enjoy that a great deal. I've actually, um... They don't know they've been to... Not necessarily V-059, but I did take them to V-459. Oh, and? Did they enjoy themselves? I I promised I would do nothing untoward with my best friend and your... You know, I'm just going to call you partners, that just makes it easier... Your partner? Um, yes, mm-hmm. they did. That one, I'll have to, t- if you want, there's the oceans there, it's interesting. At night, the stars come down and swim in the ocean. Oh. And it's just a sea of light, dancing, and running through the waves. It's magnificent. <laughs> I-, I can't do it justice, you have to see it. <laughs> yeah, yes, absolutely, that does... Oh, that does sound lovely, we'll have to... We'll have to make a few trips once we've... Stop the world from ending. <laughs> yeah. Well, we don't know that necessarily. We don't know that! Once, no, once, we've, yeah. once we've concluded our present business. Yes. As this, someone who studied mythology, I feel, is a particularly bad omen that a seer named Cassandra died. Okay, remind me what that story is. Is that... Greek mythology. Cassandra was the oracle that no one ever listened to. Yes. Mm, fair. 
Oh, yeah, I see the bit. Is there a particular story where she dies and it breaks bad? Like, is there, are you referencing a particular myth? No, I think she's just referencing Greek mythology as a whole because Cassandra, I think if I'm remembering correctly, predicted the fall of Troy and what was mm-hmm. to come and no one believed her and then she was carried off by Agamemnon's cohegents and she kind of just gets lost into history as a piece of war booty. That's a very terrible way of putting it, I'm sorry. but That's the, it's the ancient world for you. I think, yeah, Winward uh, genuinely gives, like, a little bit of a chuckle at that. Says, yes, I feel like much as our friend, our dear departed friend, Cassie, Cassandra's problem was oftentimes that she was uh, too often loud and too infrequently listened to. She did learn later in life, got a little bit better about keeping things to herself, telling people who needed to know things things, but... uh, you know, unfortunately. Yeah, I do wish I'd apologized for my part in that, but regrets, they are part of life, are they not? No matter how long you live, no matter how long you live. So, your friend Hawk is soulless. My co-worker is also presumably soulless. I couldn't mm-hmm. quite tell because you've been around the block longer than I. Have you ever heard of someone's magic glitching and someone else popping into their skull? I think Winward thinks about it for a while and says, Well, yes and no. That is very interesting that it would happen in the course of... You said that it was an, an error that was committed, and that's that's what brought... I went to scan Darren to see if he was under the same affliction as Mr. Hulk. Mm-hmm. And as I was scanning, my magic shifted. It almost felt like somebody was trying to pull a tape out as it was being rewound. Like it was being pulled one way, but yet trying to rip in the other direction while still spinning. And then it felt like there was some... I couldn't tell who or what they were, but there was... felt like someone was seeing through... Am I correct in assuming? Like, seeing through me? It felt a bit like... Something went off track, rebounded, and it felt like perhaps it was whoever cast the spell you were trying to look at got a just a briefest peek inside of your head. It wasn't like as if they were standing next to me, but they were in my head, being able to see what was happening. It was very strange. I did not like it one bit. There. Can, I, I understand people who practice mind magics. It's fine, but normally they ask for permission. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Winward's brow has, has furrowed a bit. Well, that is... That is concerning. And you said it didn't feel like a deliberate intrusion. Just sort of in the course of the, the work you were doing? Yes, it... Yeah, an unintended side effect. Um, I don't know if it was a ripple from the shadow things we faced because those were not right magic either, so I don't know if it was an echo of that or if it was somebody else who left them and assuming whoever left them performed the spells on our compatriots and it created an unintentional backdoor. A Trojan horse, if you will, to go on the theme of the conversation. Hmm, yes. <sighs> Do you have any sense for what or how much they might have seen 
just so that we can gauge our potential need for concern. Good question. <laughs> it was so brief, it would be like someone just glancing at words on a page. Might have picked up on like powerful or consistent or current thoughts. Didn't get a full like read of your mind. Okay, so they don't know what I... Okay. This person doesn't know everything about you, but wasn't long enough time to perhaps glean some information about you. I don't know if they were able to see what I looked like or anything like that. I do know I was very emotional at the time. There was a lot of grief and anger and pain, so they probably know that and the sources of those feelings. So that's... I feel like I need to send them a therapy bill. Well, so... More that they would have gotten an impression of who you are, they would know that you are... An unstable hot mess, yes. Well, those are unfortunately a dime a dozen these days. So hopefully that will keep them off our trail for a little bit. But what about identifying information? My primary concern is that the person who is performing their art on our friends would likely be the one that you felt interfere with your spell. It seems as though within the course of you interacting with the magic, you somehow combined with the... you somehow broke into the stream of magic that they were working? Uh, Something like that? I don't think it was meant to... I think it was an... I mean, hypothetically, I've read of spells causing feedback between other magic users. Sure, yeah. Yeah, sometimes magic just goes a little weird, and the side effects can be odd. Gestures to horns. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she would relay that, but honestly, it's partners this tends to happen more on, or people who are magically compatible along the same wavelengths. I mean, then again, this magic is different than any that I've encountered in any realm. <laughs> so, I'm. it doesn't operate by our rules, I think, so I should probably stop treating it like it does. <laughs> A wise decision. Are you sure that once you broke off the connection the connection remained closed, that the door shut, as it were. Yeah. It was just brief, like the break of this glimpse, and then it was out. Yeah, it was, um, much like a string snapping. It no longer connected. It was just done. Good news. I don't think they know who you and Millie and the others are. May not even know exactly who you are. Yeah, it could not know who I am, just that there was a mage, or wizard, whatever term you wish to use. Mm-hmm. <laughs> messing with their magic in the cabin in the woods, which, hypothetically, well, there's many of us in the city. Tracking us down? I I mean, yes, there's certain rituals you can use to cry for a person or track them based on stuff, but most of them, from what I know, you need a piece of the person in some way or something they've owned. I don't think I left any of myself... You brought the gun back! Yes, yes. Your firearm, I cleaned it last night. I've got it underneath the counter up front. And I didn't leave any of my clothes. I don't think I bled when I got knocked down. Just a really... a bump. So I think we're good. Unless the bear in the woods wants to talk, and I don't really think they're the talking type. (laughs) Well, 
so, uh, some good news and some bad news there. It sounds like somebody is aware of what we did last night, but isn't necessarily aware of who we are. They may or may not have a few leads. And it sounds like we've done the best that we could to cover our tracks. However, that does mean that whoever left our friends in their condition are perhaps a little bit ahead of where they might have been otherwise, which does put us on a little bit of a timer. Who knows what they'll do to the souls once they know you found the bodies. Mm, that's a lovely thought. Thanks, Bree. You're welcome. Didn't already have theories that were, like, freaking me out? No! Right, I do... Time is of the essence, um... Certainly, I don't know what the problem is. is we should probably find these gentlemen's souls first and take care of that problem. Oh, yes. No, that's that's what I was driving towards. I think perhaps it is. Oh, good. It's perhaps time that we got to work. Yes, uh, good idea. I had briefly entertained the idea of recreating the glitch, but I figured that was not a good idea in the shop. Or at all, I should clarify. You know... Don't dismiss that thought. That could be useful down the road. Especially seeing as we have people with a connection. However, it wasn't a two-way connection, was it? It wasn't something where you could see... Or did you t- did you have the opportunity to see? I, I don't... It was just very brief. Someone was in my head feeling my thoughts and seeing through my eyes, and then they were gone. That could be an excellent opportunity to gather further information, but I think our first steps perhaps ought to be, uh, well, and when we're, they'd set the box down on the floor next to them, mm-hmm. and so Windward pulls up this this ornate-looking puzzle box that has all of the, the latches popped, and opens the top, and pulls out a stack of papers. So, are you ready to see if we can find some souls? You know, it shouldn't surprise me that you have an idea on how to do this. <laughs> idea they've been working on oh. for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Just before we start this adventure, your shop is secure, yes? Of course. Probably more secure than my Sanctum Sanctorum? Different kind of security. Okay. I was thinking I might have a book that should come back to you. Oh, Given my sanctum is literally in my apartment. I think if you found the book, then perhaps you should keep a hold of it until I find it again. How does that sound? Good plan. It's also hidden behind a bunch of other things, so I don't think anyone wants to go through several stacks of quantum physics. But anyways. Not a place where I would look, to be sure. Oh. <sighs> This is where I wish that I had taken the time to prepare some dumb notes about the thalamus or the thymus or whatever the this part of the brain that the soul was supposed to be in. There's a gland in the brain that ancient scientists were like, or at, at one point they were like, yes, we found it, the place where the soul is. The penal gland? There are many, many places people. people have attributed the soul to being in. It's, I think it's probably a little more complicated than that. I mean, the Egyptians believed it was the heart, some believed it was the brain, some believed it was the tongue. Well, then having your tongue cut out extra sucks for those people. 
Yeah, I guess this is... We've got a bunch of notes. We've got some direction, I think. Notes on things like what souls are, how to recognize them, theories on how to find or contain or release. Mm -hmm. I'm sure Hess is like... Because she does read a bit of Latin. It's not like, you know full-on read a full book, but she can, like, skim out key phrases if he's letting her look at the papal ones, and... Yeah, oh, you have full you have full access to these notes. I think that, that <laughs> Winward starts in with, like, so, this is, to the best of my knowledge, all of the actual reliable information that has been compiled on the translocation of souls. Now, a lot of things did get a little, a little clarified, a little fuzzy uh, with Descartes and a few of his contemporaries working through few of their own theories, but as is always the case when you're dealing with the Catholic Church, you have to sort of take the good with the bad. So, I think the closest anyone ever seems to have gotten to a working model, at least in the Western world, was pulls out a sheet, was actually this model from kind of the mid to late 16th century. It was, in fact, developed by the Catholic Church using many different theories. Magic was a little messy back then, especially when you got into certain kinds of uh, inner circles, things that had been stolen. The Renaissance, the Renaissance was a mess. Just across the board from top to bottom, the Dark Ages, rather gloomy, had the benefit of people being relatively sedate. You get to the Renaissance and poof, all bets were off. A number of things like starts flipping through. It's like, these were stolen during the Fifth Crusade. These, these are interesting. Pulls out a sheet and it's uh, a bunch of like Chinese scripts. These are copies of documents from ancient China. It's it, any sort of various things kind of got boiled down and distilled in order to make any kind of attempt to <laughs> clarify the disposition of souls. Yes, I can see that. It's a complicated subject, and then add in she kind of gestures with a hand like to indicate her own magic. The idea of multiple use is that the same soul just pulled in different directions, or is it a new soul in each one? It's anyways, that we could talk about all day. Yeah, yes, and... I didn't even think about that. <laughs> Sorry, storyteller. <laughs> Imagine that the people performing this magic find themselves to be incredibly righteous, and then all of a sudden have proof positive that they're not. Very fortunate that most of this was not burned. <laughs> Very fortunate indeed. Yes, yes, caused quite the little kerfluffle in acquaintance of mine involved with actually getting some of these notes collated, and I was lucky to acquire them in response. So... Yeah, Hess is, like, looking through and, like, trying to piece it together with her budding knowledge of the realities and, like, the things that she's ruled. Because I think we've established she can't go anywhere where she... Or she's never seen herself, so it was safe to assume for her to be, like, if I'm on this realm, I can't go there. That's probably a common theory that you've come across and you've yet to see it disproved, so it's probably right. I have a question for Winward, though, because we've... In private chat, talk about advice. Does Winward have plans or schematics for a potential device? Or pieces of something? Or are we just going to wait for that for later? 
there's not like a physical prototype because they had never been secure enough to actually be able to make one. Mm-hmm. But you know who did some pretty radical <laughs> final schematics. <laughs> okay, so there's a few prototypes that looks like they were done by Da Vinci. And when it's like, oh no, that was actually me conjured. That was somebody had conjured Da Vinci's ghosts. And those are, as most of Da Vinci's works, insightful but uh, incomplete in some ways. Um, the most complete one, and flips. And it, when you see it, it is difficult to wrap your head around the way that the thing lays itself out. Like, you just, you look at it and it's hard to look at. And then you look down in the bottom right-hand corner and it's, uh, it's M.C. Escher had done the sketches. Yeah, M.C. Escher drew that one night when he was extremely drunk. Concerning. Was it you who conjured Da Vinci's ghost, or was it someone else at this point? I'm just curious. Well, it may have been Da Vinci's ghost. It may have been... It may have been his corpse animated. The the stories the stories tend to bubble out. I was not involved, but... That's fair. People have been getting a little too close to inconvenient truths for quite some time. Gestures at MC Escher... <laughs> sketch yes and she just gestures to where the caught med bay area is I think we've stumbled into it ourselves <laughs> absolutely you know what's probably actually more interesting is there's six different sheets of onion skin yes one of them is a tracing from something that Da Vinci had done and then there's one that is that MC Escher bit There's the elephants from Salvador Dali. There is... The next layer is literally just shapes taken out from a uh, four-year-old's finger painting. And then the top sheet, it's the original folio of Neptune the Mystic from Holst's The Planet Suite. And it's the stems of all of the notes, so all of the half notes just the stems and then any dotted notes kind of got put in as well as like every other tale and Windward is like explaining explaining how this particular thing was arrived to but it's just like you lay that over the top of it and you look at the six layers all put together and that makes the device okay I think seeing this has just to understand it for herself uses her magic to kind of create like a 3D illusion of it so she can, like, spin it around and look at all the different parts at once instead of, like, flipping to each individual page. Mm-hmm. And so that we have it. But she makes it big enough for both of us to look at. When you do that, Winward takes in a deep breath and, like, sinks back into the chair and looks at it. Is that a good or bad sigh? You can roll to see. So we can have a dice get rolled in <laughs> Leave a day to do someone out. Ten. All right. Thank you, Maria, for the very good dice. Yeah, on a hit, ask two. So there's who's pulling your character's strings. What's your character's beef with blank? What's your character hoping to get from blank? That could be a good one. Uh, what does your character worry is going to happen? How do? How can I get your character to blank? Or how can I put your character in my deck? So, okay. 
I think for this one, as she's kind of like making the model and spinning it around for them, Tess would want to know what is Winward's goal with this? Like, what does he want from it? Like, is there something she's hoping to get out of it? Or is it just like a sigh of, this is my lifelong work and oh my gosh, there it is. What do I do now? Winward wants this built. They spent so long collecting the pieces of it not the physical pieces, but the knowledge required and the notes to to preserve it, to put it together. And they are looking at it now. It's the first time it's ever seemed potentially real because it's it's in 3D. And it's not there yet, so Winward wants to use it. Yeah, okay. That's a very shimmery purple umbra that just keeps shifting back and forth as it rotates and I think second question, just because this is something she's never seen before and, like, never heard of a possibility to track down souls. She's worried, does Winward know if this will hurt the others? Like, will this cause harm to them in some way if we do build it? Because she does agree, it's important that we gotta get these people's souls back, but not at the cost of hurting our friends. (laughs) A variation on what does your character worry is going to happen. Yeah. Wind, this is incredible. This is magic that shouldn't... I mean, it's theoretically, yes, people theorized it's possible, but to actually have the... This is groundbreaking. I worry, though, it's with something groundbreaking that can be unintended consequences, and she kind of tugs on a horn. Is this going to have unintended consequences for the rest of us? There's a reason that I've kept this hidden for as long as I have. And that is because I've never had somebody I could trust to use it. Knowing the disposition of souls is, in and of itself, a powerful thing. It's not something to be done lightly, and it's not something to be trifled with. Part of what this device does is putting the material world, putting mortals in contact with a plane of existence with which you are not ever meant to have unmediated contact. A sort of equal and opposite. Something that is inextricably linked and yet alien. This allows the front of the coin to touch the back in a way that ought to be impossible. So, as opposed to entirely changing the molecular structure, bending it to where something that should touch shouldn't touch. Because in essence, what you're saying, to err is human, but to forgive divine. And this would put, in, in theologic, in philosophical terms, would put humans into a realm that traditionally one would label as divine, the traffic of souls and the, you know, mortality and the alignment and such, where they where we go after we pass and whatnot. Mm-hmm. This is something that mortals were not meant to touch, but with this, they can. And we don't know what effect that would have on the said mortal in the device, correct? Or touching the device. <laughs> it's knowledge is what it is. It is knowledge beyond framework. 
could potentially be knowledge that you simply are not ready for. That you haven't built the capability to incorporate into your daily life. Something that you would just as soon forget. I don't think that the device would have much of any effect on your physical form. I don't know that it would change who you are and necessarily present anything that is particularly untoward to us or the people that we're looking for. However, it would change it would change substance in a way that is meaningful to people who are adept at working on that side of the coin towards the denizens of this other realm that I assure you is both more and less than you imagine it to be. It's loud, is perhaps the easiest way to say. This is a very loud device. And I worry that once we get the damn thing fired up, the wrong sorts of people might hear it and come running. So, like, going into a goth club when you're prep, got it. She kind of smiles, like, trying to make the joke. But so, what you're saying is, if I'm inferring correctly, your essence can't use this device at all. It would be antithetical to your being. Or at least can't power it, I think is what we talked about. Yeah, both to some extent my essence and to other extent my knowledge. This is not where my skills lie. You've changed yourself by interacting with the arcane. Become something that is, quite frankly, wonderful. I know that the horns can be very inconvenient. It's a very nice shade of red as well. I think then she finally looks up and sees her bangs. Oh, I guess it's red today. People are constantly asking you where you get your hair dye. She always lies and say it's the same one. She always says it's the jar one, the splat, the NYC one. I can't remember the name. She always says it's that one. Okay, so essentially, and she kind of takes off her glasses and gestures with them. You need someone with abilities to power it. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is you don't know if doing so will paint a target on that because it could be like sounding a bullhorn in a study hole. Yes. And everybody notices. (laughs) I'm almost sure that using it or using it too, too loosely will be painting a target on us. But fortunately, we already have people coming after us so we can be ready. Has just kind of sighs and is like, well, if you need... uh, The rest of the group doesn't really have a target, unless you count Cole being at the theater around the time... No. He left, and then the episode afterwards, so he's he has an alibi, so we're at least clear there. Oh, magic. Um, runes preserve me. Right, I'm going to say something incredibly stupid. What if I help you power it up? hear me out before you tell me no. I don't know if you were going to tell me no. I already have a target on my back, in a sense. They know there is a magic user. Granted, it's going to be harder to track me down, but if they already have a general sense of a magic user and then I start, you know, hitting the bullhorn and yelling, here's dinner, it's not as shocking as, you know, you showing up and doing it. Yes, this is is how you find the person that you lost. We have a present crisis, We solve that, and then you help me find somebody I'm looking for, and then I help you find the person you're looking for. 
there is nobody else. There is nobody else that I trust with this information, with this device. If it's not you, I I don't know how else to move forward, if not for you. Oh. Several things click into place as she processes. Um. Right. Okay. Do you think I was sharing a lifetime of secret work just for my health? It has been a very long day and a half in my defense. It's been a very long past, like, 12 hours. <laughs> okay, it's been a very long 12 hours in my defense. Okay. Checks behind her just to see Laurent's not there, like, ready to take her out if she said no. <laughs> just on, like... <laughs> That's up to use that if Laurent's As she gets up. <laughs> oh, no, Laurent's, in the, Laurent's over munching hay on his in his litter box. Okay, good. The rabbit is not going to kill me. That's good. I do love the rabbit, though. I just know he is a very dangerous rabbit if provoked. <laughs> but, oh, God. I'm, I'm mucking this up. Hang on. And she comes over and she, like, crouches down. Because you're obviously sitting in the chair. And so she places a hand on their knee and is like, I, you promise to help me find the person I wanted to spend the rest of my life with. I feel it'd be rude if I didn't try and help you find your person either. Okay. Well then. Thank you. And I suppose it's time we got to work. Why am I not surprised you have everything here to make it? I don't know that I do. We'll see, because the camera zooms out as both of you start working on how to make this thing and how to make it work. And we'll see how that goes later. Tempest Multi is a production of Pseudordom Social, changing reality one story at a time. It is an actual play podcast using Urban Shadows 2E Quick Start Guide, and it's set once again in the town of Oak Ridge, Tennessee. I am your keeper and producer. My name is Zadkiel, or just Zad. In this game, I am going to be playing Windward Pudge, and they are using the Imp playbook. Sup, y'all? I'm Fennec Foxfire. I will be playing Hess, playing from the Book of the Wizard. To get more information on this or any of our other shows, check out our website at pseudonymsocial.com. Hello, I'm Diana. I'm Mike. I'm Amanda. And I'm Adam. Together, we are Multiclass Theater, a brand new actual play podcast. We tell collaborative stories in an original setting with colorful characters using Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition. Don't forget about our strange voices. Oh, well said, Groover. Ugh, Rotan, don't encourage him. I think you're all nuts. Multiclass Theater is available wherever you download your podcasts. I think that went pretty well. Yeah, we're done here. Let's go. So do we get paid now? You are all amazing. Now get out of my office.